Good morning to all of you. As I thought about uh, speaking here this morning, I thought I wonder what I shall say to all of you to really edify you. Not just to fill this place and this time. You know, you came this morning not just to uh, fill up your morning, but to get something. And what can I say to you that will truly make a difference in your life? And as I pondered that, I thought of the hunger and the thirst that I have been noticing in your lives and in mine. That desire for greater, fuller relationships. I have seen it over and over again here as people talking or sharing. They desire to have a deeper, fuller, better relationship. And so I decided I'm going to speak a message on relationships again. And I was blessed this morning with Brother Nate shared. Um, nice introduction. You know, there are things that we can do to bring ourselves together. Things that we can uh, edify one another in, in relationships. And I'm very much encouraged with what I see here in this congregation I I feel that God is beginning to work a work in our hearts from from within, doing something that will call us together closer and more wonderfully to a richer and deeper life. <clears throat> now, my uh, son James just came back from uh, SMBI and. Uh, he shared with me a, a diagram that he learned there at SMBI. I liked the diagram. I don't know that I'd ever seen it before. But I liked it and I thought I'm going to share it with you this morning too. And it's a little bit like this. Uh, it's about Jesus. So we'll put Jesus there and make a three-sided triangle. Okay. Now maybe some of you have seen this before. But on this side of the triangle, we have the way. Jesus said, I am the way. He said, I am the truth. And I am the life. How many of you have seen that diagram before? Okay, a few of you. All right. Uh, And he also said how many of us tend to come to Jesus from one of these angles. You know, uh, we Mennonites and holiness people and things like that often come to Jesus by the way. You know, we have a way of life. We emphasize a way of life. We believe in holiness. And it's, you do it. You live it. And that's important. That is the way. Jesus is the way. A very important thing. However, on this Side, sometimes people who are all concerned about the way sort of miss a little of the life. Okay? And perhaps they're so tangled here that they don't always see all the truth that there is. So that's one of the, the, the negative parts that could be there. Well, then there's the truth over here, uh, you know, a lot of people who are very theologically oriented, 
some groups are more theologically oriented than we are. And they'll talk about whether man is saved by faith or by works. And while we know that man is saved by faith, right? Uh, not of works, lest any man should boast. And they make a big deal about that. And there are certain groups that are on that. But the, the weak spot that they have is that many times they don't actually live it. You know? All about theology, but they don't live it. That's, that's a weakness. Okay? And then we have these people down here that, you know, they're in for experience. You know, they want life. They, they want enthusiasm. They want, uh, praise and worship. You know. And they're big on praise and worship. And that's a part of life too, you know, that belongs to be there. But often maybe they aren't really living it either. Or maybe they don't have their doctrines quite right, you know. So, we have those things, right? But the way, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the closer we get to Jesus, the more we see Jesus, the more we're going to have all three of these things. Not just one. Not just one, but all three of them. And as I was pondering where we are and everything, I, I believe that some of us are trying to get a hold of a little more of this area, aren't we? A little more of that reality that, and friendship and relationships. And I think that's good. I, I think we need to get some of that. Let's not lose this in the process. And let's not lose this in the process. We need all three of these areas for us to make a, uh, a solid Christian there. And... Uh, You know, as you look at all of those, you know, we, we realize that they work together. They, they really do. Um, we're not saved just by works or not just saved by faith and not by works. But, uh, you know, James said, show me thy faith without thy works and I will show you my faith by my works. You see how they tie together? And, uh, you know, we see a lot of people who are, uh, you know, they they pray, they say, uh, well, love is the big thing, you know. You just got to love. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And and uh, I've been impressed with that, uh, those two commandments lately too. And, you know, and so it's just praise and worship and, you know, the sweet, sweet spirit in this place, you know, and all of that. Well, but God says that if you do not love your brother, how dwells the love of God in you? Right? And if a man say he loves God, if he's, yeah, I'm, I love God, you know, and he's all that. And he says he loves God, but he doesn't love his brother. You know what? He's a liar and the truth is not in him. It's that simple, right? So it all kind of points together. James said, if you see a need... And you shut up the bow, your bowels of compassion from the person who is in need. How dwells the love of God in you? So, you know, if you're, it, it turns, it comes out to a way of life too, you know. It can't be just down here and, but it, it comes to a way of life as well. So, we need all of that. And we have that verse too where Jesus said that in the judgment day, there will be many that say, 
Lord, Lord, have we not done this and this and this in thy name? And guess what he's going to say? I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. So you can have a lot of doing. And you can have a lot of theology. But if you don't have the life, in the end, Jesus is going to say, sorry, I never knew you. You never had a relationship with me. You were doing a lot of things, but you didn't have a relationship with me. So, we need all of those places. We need all of those things. I can't say that I'm completely balanced in all of this. I wish I was. You know, we all seek to be balanced. I'm not pretending to be balanced. I'm just simply saying this morning, we need the balance of all of these things. I seek for the balance, and I trust that you're seeking for the balance in all of those things. And little by little, we learn how to do that, don't we? Did you know that we don't know how to do this naturally? You don't know how to have relationships naturally. You learn them. You don't learn how to love just pop, you know, it just happens. You learn love little by little. Okay? And so, it's a long lifetime excursion. I'm still learning. Let me see, I'm 61 years old now. I think that's older than most of you. Maybe there's a couple people here that that are older than that. But you know, I'm still learning that. I still feel like in many ways I haven't quite gotten it. Right? I hope we're all there, really. Because, well, if you really think that you have it, uh, probably you don't. I remember that when I was 20, in the 20s, I thought I pretty much had it figured out. Uh, today I see how short-sighted my understanding was. You know, I, I, I really thought I had a few things figured out. And, and I remember certain occasions when I opened my big mouth and said things that I thought people should, you know, I mean, yeah, there were some things to change. Uh, today I realize how foolish I was. How, how little I understood of the bigger picture. Okay? How incomplete my views, my views really were. But I pressed toward the mark. This morning I'm not here to say that I have obtained it. I feel a lot like uh, the Apostle uh, Paul said, not as though I had already attained, but I pressed toward the mark. And I hope every one of you are pressing toward that mark this morning that you really want to learn to know how to get this more perfect than you have it today. And so I hope to inspire you with that a little bit. And uh, so, anyway, that wasn't my message. That was just the introduction. Okay? The... uh, 
If you want a title for the message, I'm going to give it this title. And uh, the quarrel. If you fi- feel that that sounds a little negative, uh, bear with me a little bit. I do plan to li- end on the positive note. But I'd like you to look at the quarrel. I think all of you know what a quarrel is, and yet there's a lot of instructive things about looking at a quarrel. Okay? And maybe that sounds like a children's lesson to you. And I don't deny that maybe some of the children might be able to profit by this message somewhat. But uh, my target audience isn't the children this morning. My target audience is the grown-ups. For whether you like to admit it or not, we grown-ups quarrel. Yeah, we do. We quarrel quite frequently. And we shouldn't. And hopefully, I'm going to be able to point out to a few, a few ways in which to try to find out how to identify those quarrels and avoid them. Because quarrels are perhaps the stumbling stone of relationships. Right? It's the quarrels that mess up relationships. It messes relationships up in the church. It messes relationships up in business, in the home, at school, in marriages, even in courtships sometimes. You know, I remember one time when I was, before I was married, that's quite a ways now, but um, I was still at home yet, and uh, my cousin had come over to our house. They were just about to be married, my cousin and his fiance, and they were coming to my our house. Uh, Mom was going to give them some flowers, and we were out digging some flowers out of the flower bed to share with them perennials and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, while we were there, this was just before he was getting married, uh, right there in front of us, they broke out into a quarrel. I mean, they, they got pretty bit fireish about it. I mean, they really had words with each other. And, and I remember thinking, my goodness, they're not married yet. I mean, they're doing this and they're courting. And, uh, I mean... What's it going to be like when the newness wears off? I don't know. I think they had some bumpy roads. But uh, let's face it, there are quarrels everywhere. Now, some people have learned to bury them more than others. And some people have managed to not be so quarrelsome. But quarrelsome, quarreling is uh, quite common. If you will, picture with me a bit two children in a room playing together, uh, maybe with some blocks or something, and they're building towers or, you know, whatever children do with blocks, you know. They're having a nice time together. And they are, uh, they are, uh, 
building and imagining and talking and sharing ideas and they're having a great time. Can you imagine that? You know? Yeah, you've seen that. And, you know, we grown ups, when we look at that, we listen in sometimes, right? And sometimes we're amused at the things they say. And they don't always have it right, do they? Sometimes it's really kind of amusing. But they're having fun, and we are blessed, and we are delighted in them, right? As long as they play peacefully together and happy and share, it's great, right? Now, picture the same two children in the same room with the same toys, but today they're quarreling. And the one says to the other, no, that's mine. You can't have it. Yes, I can. You know, you know how those quarrels go, right? And uh, give it back. No, it has to be this way. No, that's stupid. You know, all those kind of things. You know the picture quite well, don't you? What's the matter? They're quarreling, right? They're quarreling. Oh, you know what a quarrel is, right? It's a strange-looking word. It's even stranger in life, but... You know really what a quarrel is. But do you know how to see a quarrel in yourself? It's harder to see it there. Do you know that when children are quarreling, they seldom know they're quarreling? Right? They hardly ever know they're quarreling. I can't resist this when I will tell this story not to embarrass anybody in case you happen to figure out who it is. I don't tell it for that reason. I tell it for the reason of illustrating this point. Right here in church, I saw two children quarreling one day during church. Now, they did it very nicely as quarrels go. They were sitting beside each other, and one child wanted what the other one had. And so he reaches for it. And, of course, uh, there's a denial. Then there was insistence. Then there was more denial. You know? You can picture that, right? And there's this request and denial and more. And, you know, as things escalated, you know, the determination on the faces grew stronger and, and uh, I was kind of wondering, you know, where's this going to go, you know? I mean, uh, <laughs> you know? And fortunately, these children were pretty well trained. And eventually, the one re- sort of resentfully gave in and left the other one have his way. But that wasn't the end of it. You know, soon, soon he had it back. Right? And and then the quarrel began all over again, you know, because, you know, and this played out a couple of times. Now, I was blessed by seeing that they didn't escalate it to punching each other or no one cried. They pretty well kept it under control, pretty much. 
But why am I telling you this? Because in their hearts, in their hearts, they were quarreling. They were quarreling. You know, they each of them wanted their own way. I want that. No, you can't have that. I want that. No, it's mine. I had it first, you know. Quarreling. Okay? Unfortunately, this happens to big people too. Right? Not over the same things. But it does happen, doesn't it? Do you think these children who were quarreling knew they were quarreling while they were quarreling? How many of you think they knew it? How many, huh? Nobody. No. Each of them thought they had a right. They thought, you know, I need that. You know, it belongs to me. You know? And they were each defending their perception of righteousness. And so neither of them knew they were quarreling. At least, I don't think they did. Maybe they felt it a little. Grown-ups quarrel like this. When there are disagreements, look at your heart and see if you will find a quarrelsome attitude. Take a look. Quite often you might see a quarrelsome attitude. Now, I find that in many quarrels, both of them are wrong. Did you ever see that? Yeah. In a quarrel, you know, you have several possibilities that you can look at. Uh, One of those possibilities are that both of them are wrong. This happens fairly often. And they get to quarreling and they're both wrong. You're seeing that, right? And, you know, we as grown-ups, if it's happening with children, we as grown-ups can easily see it, right? And, and sometimes we need to say to our children, look, stop your quarreling. You're both wrong. How many of you have said that? <laughs> yeah. You know, you're both wrong. Um, do you suppose that, I'd like to make another comment first before I say that, before I give me the question. I believe pretty firmly that the Lord gave us children to help us understand ourselves. It is our children that reveal to us the principles of life. Isn't it? Now the question I have. Do you suppose that perhaps our Heavenly Father looks down upon his big children today? And he says to some of us, cut it out. You're both wrong. You think that might happen sometimes? You know, we are so stiff in our own ways and our own understandings and our own thoughts. And we think we know exactly how it should be. You know, you could both be wrong. 
You really could be. That happens. And so I can see that as one of the things that can happen. Well, now, uh, there's another scenario. And that can be that they're both right. Now, how can you have a quarrel if both of them are right? Well, you surely can, can't you? You surely can. How many of you can picture a situation where both are right and there's still a quarrel? There absolutely is. And sometimes, you know, the reason that it's a quarrel is because it's just different. And there really isn't one writer than the other. It's just different. Do you think there are grown-up quarrels in which both are right? Yes. Yes, there is. And many times the quarrel is happening over things that really doesn't matter. Okay? Will that help you a little bit? Think about it. Where there is differences, where it's not, you know, when things are a little crunchy. Why is it so crunchy? Maybe it really doesn't matter whether you do it your way or my way. Right? How do you think the Heavenly Father looks down upon His children who are quarreling together? You know how it feels as father and mother, right? You know how it feels. And your children are over there quarreling together and you just want to say to them, look, just stop it. Just stop that. Reminds me of a story I just heard. Um, maybe some of you know Arthur Ocker. How many of you know Arthur Ocker? Yeah. Um, well, he was just, he just came back from a trip. He went over to Serbia to visit CJ and Cecilia. How many of you know CJ's? Less of you, okay. Dear family living over there in Serbia. Now they used to come to Africa for a little while. And that's how I got to know them. Sweet family. And, uh, I don't think uh, CJ would mind me telling this story. So he probably won't hear it anyway. So, uh, I'll tell this story about his children. While Arthur was there visiting, I think he was talking a little with Cecilia and, and uh, uh, CJ was over. And they were all in the same room and CJ was in the, right over there working on his computer a little bit doing something. And, and the girls were playing together. And uh, as this was playing out after a while, these girls started disagreeing about things. You know, and then, you know how things go. And uh, after a bit... CJ just stopped and turned around and called the girls by name. He said, come here. So the girls obediently went over to him. He said four words to them. He said, you're quarreling. Stop it. That's it. He went back to the computer. The girls went back to playing. And they quit quarreling. That was the end. Arthur was naturally impressed. <laughs> Maybe you would be too. 
I said to Arthur, that didn't just happen. That didn't just happen. They had some lessons prior to that about quarreling. We as parents all know that, right? Boy, wouldn't it be nice if you could just say four words and fix anything, you know? If you could just say, you know, whenever people quarrel, you could just say, you're quarreling. Stop it. Be all over. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, I'm sure it takes more than that. Wouldn't you like to know what all happened before? I don't know what happened before then. But uh, they quit quarreling. And now I think that they probably, and this is all my imagination, I, I have no facts behind this, but I'm supposing that they had some lessons on quarreling previous to that. And they looked at what quarreling was. They identified what quarreling is. And they said, this isn't right. And when I tell you stop it, I mean stop it. Okay? And there's maybe consequences if they didn't. <clears throat> I'd like to say to you this morning, not from a position of a father like CJ, but as an advocate for your heavenly father, I'd like to say to you this morning, there are ways in which grown-ups quarrel. And quarreling is bad. And quarreling is harmful. And it's not a happy way of living. And you need to stop it. Right? And if you don't stop it, you need to talk to Father in Heaven about that. Yeah. It is that important. So anyway, four words. Why do these things happen? Why do quarrels take place? They take place because, oh, and by the way, I wanted to say at the beginning of this message that, I, you know, I'm, this is not about any quarrel that I have seen here in case it happens to fit anybody. I'm not trying to point fingers at anybody or any event. I'm pointing at human nature and human tendencies. And if that happens to fit, then great. But I'm not picking on anybody today. But why do these things happen among us? It is because we're just naturally self-centered, aren't we? We just naturally are. We are self-seeking, self-centered, selfish individuals who want it our way. And we are also, we are also proud. We think we know the whole picture. So often we think we know so much. And it should be my way. Reminds me of that, that expression you hear sometimes, my way or the highway, right? That's a quarrel. It's a quarrelsome attitude. We think the other fellow is at fault. You know, every man's way is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. Proverbs 21, 2. 
thinking of the uh, idea that both could be could be wrong here. How many of you know the uh, poem "The Blind Man and the Elephant"? Can I see your hands. Okay, quite a few. Quite a few of you haven't heard that. So uh, I'm going to read this poem to you just for fun, and uh, so that those of you who don't know it would uh, get a scope on this. The Blind Man and the Elephant. It was six men of Indostan, to learning much inclined, who went to see the elephant, though all of them were blind, that each by observation might satisfy his mind. The first approached the elephant, and happening to fall against his broad and sturdy side, at once began to bawl, God bless me, but the elephant is very like a wall. The second feeling of the tusk cried, Oh, what have we here? So very round and smooth and sharp to me, it is very mighty clear this wonder of an elephant is very like a spear. The third approached the elephant and happening to take the squirming trunk within his hands, thus boldly up he and spake, Ah, see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a snake. The fourth reached about, reached out an eager hand and felt about the knee. What most this wondrous beast is like is mighty plain, quoth he. Tis clear enough, the elephant is very like a tree. The fifth who chanced to touch the ear said, Even the blindest man can tell what this resembles most. Deny the fact who can. This marvel of an elephant is very like a fan. The sixth no sooner had begun about the beast to grope than seizing on the swinging tail that fell within his scope, I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a rope. And so these men of Indostan disputed long and loud, each in his own opinion exceeding stiff and strong, though each was partly in the right, and all were in the wrong. So often theologic wars, the disputants I ween, rail on in utter ignorance of what each other mean. And prayed about an elephant not one of them has seen. Do you like that? It's got a point, doesn't it? And so often it is that we have disagreements among ourselves that come because we have so little of the picture. We're like these blind men who got just a smitch of the elephant. And then we think we have it. And we're going to defend it. And we dispute loud and long. And prate about things we haven't seen. God help us. Yeah, we ought not do that. It will help a lot if you realize this morning that your piece of understanding is small. Is small. And what other people understand and experience may have a whole different aspect that you have not even looked at. If you remember that, that should help a lot with your relationships.
Well, now there's another uh, another option here. One wrong, and one let's do it this way. One right. Disagreements happen not only with these two things, but also sometimes one is right and the other is wrong. Does that change the quarrel? Does it? See, if you head shaking, no. A quarrel is still a quarrel. Okay? Now, you can have one right and one wrong. And, uh, of course, both of them think they're right. Usually. So how are you going to know if you're right or if you're wrong? Well, first of all, like some of you are shaking your heads, it really doesn't matter. A quarrel is a quarrel. Get rid of the quarrel first. Okay, then you can discern the right and the wrong. But the quarrel has to go first. We sometimes tell our children that. Stop fighting and then we can figure it out. Right? Just stop your fighting and then we'll figure it out. But you've got to stop the fighting first, right? Uh, that's important in relationships, adult relationships, grown-ups, you know. Get rid of the fight first, and then you can figure out what's right or what is wrong. If you're right, your attitude could still be wrong, Right? And there are so many, so many circumstances like that. You might be right, but what about your attitude? All right? And what about if you're wrong? Oh, that never happens, right? Never happens that you're wrong, does it? Well, we know whether we acknowledge it, whether we realize it, whether we are able to see it or not, sometimes we are wrong. Sometimes we really are wrong. Can we take something from someone else and learn? Can we be humble enough to learn from somebody else? I certainly hope so. Now I'd like to finish up this by giving you some biblical instruction on these things. This is just sort of a backdrop for the quarrel. And I hope I have convinced you by this point that the quarrel is a serious issue. It happens among grown-ups. It should not happen. And when it does happen, most of the participants don't realize that it's happening. They think they are defending righteousness or doing the right thing or doing, you know, We don't realize when we're quarreling, we don't realize that we're quarreling. So in that vein, it's a little hard to detect sometimes. Sometimes we look backwards on our our lives and we say, oh my goodness, what was that all about? You know? Sometimes the backward look can pick it up. But usually when you're in the process of the quarrel, you think you're right. Right? That's the way it is. So now, here's a few things that will help you, I believe, as you consider the fact that that quarrels 
are the stumbling stone of relationships. It is the quarrels that mess up our loving relationships. Now here's some things that the Bible says, and this is not my idea my ideas, these are this is what God says. I'd like you to turn to Colossians chapter three, verse twelve. And I'd like you to uh, take a time over this passage just a little bit and let this soak in. This is so full, so rich, so so challenging. But I think it will help you with your quarrels. If you will put on this mind that he has talked about here, I think you will see that it would really Enhance your relationships. Really. Okay? Alright. Chapter 3, verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. And I just want to pause there for a moment. This is point one of the things that I like to mention here. The first thing you ought to realize is that you are yourself and the other person, both of you, if you're Christians, are elect of God. What an awesome thing. You've been the elect of God. And you're holy. And you are beloved. Now, take this to the quarrel. Remember that the person you're quarreling with as a Christian is also the elect of God. And he is holy. And he is beloved. Will that do anything for you? Do you feel like quarreling if you think about that? Just that one point is enough to evaporate the quarrel, isn't it? If you realize that this other person that you're quarreling with is, in God's sight, elect and beloved and made holy. It's an awesome thing. Next point. Bowels of mercies. Put on bowels of mercies. That bowels word is kind of an interesting word. I don't know what all comes to your mind when you read that. I think most of us know that it means mercy through and through to the to the core, right? Put on mercy to the core. Sometimes people blame me for being too merciful. Well, I don't know how to be too merciful if I'm merciful to the core, right? How can you be too merciful if you're merciful to the core? Right? Bowels of mercies. Put them on. You need them. Now I know there's a balancing thing to that, but ponder this. Bowels of mercies. I looked it up in a number of different translations just for ponderance. and Most of them say the same thing. 
Uh, I even looked it up in a Spanish translation, and I, and I really liked the way the Spanish words came out to me because it, it just really made it bounce for me. If you were translating from the Spanish translation to English, you would come out with profound compassion. That's what bowels of mercies are. Profound compassion. I like that. You know what profound means, right? Just, you know. All right. So if you have profound compassion or bowels of mercies, you think that'll take care of your quarrel? Probably. Probably. Kindness. Next point. Kindness. It's always right to be kind. So many times, quarrels escalate because of a lack of kindness. If you could just be kind. Just kind. Even if you're right, be kind to the other person. Do unto them as you would have them do unto you. That's that golden rule, isn't it? As you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. This is the law of love. Next point. Humbleness of mind. You know, Proverbs 13.10 says, Only, only by pride cometh contention. So if you're having a quarrel, you're proud. Ouch. Right? But that's the truth. Only by pride cometh contention. If there's contention, someone, or maybe more than one, is proud. Meekness. Meekness is not weakness. Do you know that it takes a lot more strength to be meek than it does to fight? It takes a much greater man to absorb the wrongdoings of others than to retaliate. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is greater. To be able to absorb another's wrong is greater than retaliation. Long-suffering. You know how time is precious. Sometimes it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time until the other person will be able to see it the way it is. Can you be patient and give that other person the time that it takes for them to come to the conclusion that you have come to? Sometimes all it takes is time. We all know how badly we need it, don't we? How long did it take for you to come to the place you are today? 
How long did it take for you to see the mistakes that you were making? You needed all that time, didn't you? What if the father had cut you off back there when you were in your stupidity? No chances, right? But the father was patient with you and gave you second chance, third chance, fourth chance, hundredth chance, thousandth chance. How many times did you have that you needed the grace and mercy of God? And you needed it, didn't you? Do you know that this person you're quarreling with may also need that long-suffering, time, patience on your part? Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. We pray in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The story of the 10,000 talents. You all know it, right? This man owed 10,000 talents. And as much as he did not have to pay, his Lord said, well, sell him out. And he said, oh, Lord, I'll pay you. Just give me time. I really want to do this. And his Lord said, oh, okay. Forgive him. What, a, what an excellent creditor, I think. And then this man had another lesser fellow, you know, owed him a hundred pence, I believe it was. And he wouldn't forgive his hundred pence. You know the story, don't you? And so the Lord said, well, since you didn't forgive your brother... I'm going to rescind my forgiveness to you. And he cast him into prison till the debt should be paid. This is not just a parable, folks. This is what is going to happen to you if you forgive not men their trespasses. One day at the throne of God, your debts are going to come before you. And if you have not forgiven others, you will not be forgiven either. What a serious way of looking at things. So, now put all of this into the quarrel arena. And I ask you, is there any quarrel left in you? Can you possibly have quarrel? with all of these things that I've just shared here with you. If you are putting on the elective, you know, as elective God, bowels of mercy and kindness and humbleness of mind and meekness and long-suffering and you're forgiving, what happened to the quarrel? It's gone, right? But the passage is not ended. As if that isn't enough already. 
I think it probably is, isn't it? I mean, I would take care of all, all the quarrels I can think of. But then he says, and above all these things. Now, this is getting the last biggest capstone on it all. Above all of the things that I've already said about getting rid of these quarrels, put on charity. And we all know that that word is an old English word. doesn't mean giving to the poor here. It means love. Put on genuine love for each other. It makes me think of the first great commandment and the second which is like unto it upon which all the rest hang. Right? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God and thy neighbor as thyself. And on these two things hang all the law and the prophets. Yeah, I'm always intrigued with that idea. Which is the bond Going on with the verse here. Which is the bond? You know what bond is? Bond is glue. You know when something is bonded. It is stuck on. Right? If it's bonded. It is permanently there. Well. If you have love. You are going to be. Bonded together of perfectness. The bond of perfectness. Wouldn't we all like to be perfect? Oh, I want to be perfect. I'm pretty far from it. I work at it. Hope you do too. But this is the bond of perfectness. If you can love like this. If you can just take your brother and love him as yourself, you will be perfect. You will be perfect. This is the bond of perfectness. I hope I've made you earnestly desire for that. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Do you know that some of these things you don't have to settle? Did you know that? Sometimes the way out of the quarrel is simply let go. Let go. And let the peace of God rule. That sounds simple, doesn't it? It's a little harder to do than sounds. But it's very rich. Let the peace of God fill your heart and let your, yourself know that God is going to take care of this. God is going to rule. God is going to be Father. He's going to make things right. And... Uh, He's big enough for the task. He doesn't need your advice. He knows how to take care of it. And he's actively taking care of it. 
So all you need to do is let the peace of God rule in your heart. And then the good things can happen in your heart as well. To the which also ye are called. I like that. Did you know you were called to this? You were called to this. It's your destiny. It's why you were created in the first place. You were called in one body, just as Jesus prayed in John 17, that they may be one, even as the Father and the Son are one. That's an awesome oneness, by the way. As the Father and the Son are one, so we are to be one with each other and with God. What an awesome calling. And I can assure you that if you can attain to this, you'll get the last line too. And be ye thankful. If you got that, if you manage the first part, you will automatically have the second. But I also tell you that it is something that is commanded. It is something that you ought to do by choice as well. You ought to be thankful. The top thing that ought to ring in your heart is the goodness of God to you first of all. And God is so good to you. And then... God is good to your brother and sister as well, right? He loves the other person just like he loves you. And that's why I need to love him too. Because we're all going to be one together. And when you realize that fullness, how can you not give thanks? How can you not give thanks? When you realize what you've been called to, how can a Quarrel remain within you. Well, we're not perfect, are we? And I'm not pretending that I never have a quarrel. I am acknowledging that I am learning this. I am learning it. I speak it to myself as much as I speak it to you. But this is the word of God. This is the path to life. This is the thing that makes life full. This is what will bring us in perfect harmony together. We will have the way, the truth, and the life, and they will all be together. They will all be one, and there will be no quarrel. There cannot be a quarrel when this is happening right. Okay? Not as though I had already attained Either were already made perfect. But I press toward the mark. And I hope you do too.